0: All right, welcome back. It is Sports Talk Live. Adrian brought us here, filling in for Steve Kaplowitz, along with Angel Munoz in our Lubingo Studios. Our telephone number today is 915-505-6009. That's our telephone number if you'd like to get into the program. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. That's 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. If you would like to chime in there, that is a great place to do it as well. We'll read your tweets live. You could also chat with us live on the show by logging into the 600 ESPN El Paso free mobile app powered by United Bank. Uh, Multiple ways to get in on the show and a lot of sports to talk. About today, a very busy show for you here uh, ahead of a busy weekend as well. Remember, a little programming note to let everybody uh, know no, uh, it will not be me, it will not be Steve in studio tomorrow, it will be instead Duke Keith along with Lou Romano good friends of ours. Of course, Duke Keith works with us here at the radio station, and he will be filling in the duties tomorrow. Uh, he'll be joining uh, Angel Munoz, who will take them through the show, uh, and Lou Romano. I mean, gosh, this could be a lot of fun tomorrow. So I'm, I'm very excited about that show. I will not be in town. I'll be out in California. I've got a graduation this weekend, visiting um, my fiance's family, so very excited about that. And then um, you know, when we switch it over to the weekend, I will be back Monday. Uh, Steve still out all the way till next Thursday, so I'll be carrying you through uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday's Sports Talks here on the show. Again, our number, 915-505-6009. If you'd like to get in, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Uh, busy show for everybody today. We've got Raul Martinez, the anchor, the morning anchor out at NBC Boston 10. He is an El Pasoan, a Cathedral graduate. He spent time at KVIA, and now uh, he will get a chance to be Be with uh, us here in our next segment. Uh, So really excited about getting a chance to talk with Raul Martinez later on in the show. That will be a lot of fun as well. Jason Craig coming in the studio it's been a busy day for him so uh, uh <laughs> big shout outs to him for making a trip over uh angel i'll start with you happy thursday to you man uh it's way too hot out there thankfully you're you're here in the lubingo studios air conditioned studios instead of being out at cool canyon nights where uh you are the official photographer for our radio station you're right
1: you know i um at first, I was like, um,
0: "Well, I, I gotta be in the building rather than you taking like pictures. being a photographer. I, I, you I, I like do being like out there taking the pictures." But I think today is uh, is one of those days. Right, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. glad to be in an air conditioned room because as soon as I stepped out of my car to to come into the building, I was like, "Oh." Oh, no, it's it's another
1: one of those days again.
0: Yeah, and the humidity is, is active today, unlike yesterday. Well, yesterday we got a mix of, I think, like three different seasons. We had yes. uh, the summer, we had the spring with all the winds, and then we had like a little bit of monsoon season, especially if you're on the far east side of El Paso. Some people got hail, some people got uh, you know a lot of rain, and we were complaining more about the sunny heat and dry heat yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, now we get the, the humid, swampy kind of like summertime heat uh, here in, in June june and this is just no fun now nah, well, on on my side of the city that that was the part
1: where i got hail so
0: i was really home and it was it was wet like it was just super wet everywhere and it was so weird to me because i was just like it's it's so warm outside but it i, I don't understand yeah it's, it's too weird. It, you know this El Paso weather? It'll get you, for sure. And then this weekend, we've got that 107 weather. So, nonetheless, we're, we're kicking things off here on Sports Talk today in uh, good spirits. Raul Martinez, he's on deck. He'll join us next on the show. Following Raul, uh, we will talk to how about this? Kyle Loxley, former UTEP quarterback, now with the Edmonton Elks. Uh, this is a fantastic story. I started to dig into this a little bit more uh, over you know the past 24 hours. I saw a picture of him. He was uh, named player of the game in a preseason game in which his team lost 37-7. to So I, I was like, oh, man, how much is this uh, – how much should we really take out of this? Well, when you look a little bit deeper, Edmonton played one of the best teams um, in uh, their preseason finale. And it wasn't necessarily like a one-sided person. It wasn't one guy who was uh, playing the quarterback position. They, they kind of shuffled between different guys. Edmonton did. Uh, and Kyle Loxley posted a nice stat line, 9 of 13 passing, 124 yards through the air. He threw one interception, but he did have a rushing touchdown and caught two passes uh, in his preseason Debut in the Canadian Football League. Um, Kyle Oxley, following his graduation at UTEP, a lot of fans, you know, they had mixed emotions about him. Some respected his fight, and some respected that he kind of never quit for a team that, you know, let's just be honest, th- th- those two teams that he was on in 2018, 2019 weren't very good for UTEP football. Uh, they won one game in both seasons, uh, so it was, it was just tough for Kyle Oxley and, and that whole group to kind of go through those two years. But nonetheless, following his UTEP career, he goes off in, and tries out in the NFL. He gets a landing spot with the Miami Dolphins, and he, you know, he had some success there early on. He he was uh, playing in a preseason game. He was featured as a wide receiver. But, you know, he had to make that transition as far as changing his position and what he was able to do on the field. So, uh, you know, Kyle Loxley changing from quarterback over to receiver to try to make it in the NFL, and then following that brief stint with the Dolphins, he parlays that into a shot in the Canadian Football League. So a lot of people think out there, well, it's it's the Canadian Football League. What, what kind of talent um, – really is out there in in that league and you know I I started doing some digging today Edmonton turns out they have um, they have six actually they have Eight to nine quarterbacks on their roster. I'm not sure which one they cut. They cut somebody. So I'm not sure if it's eight or nine. But nonetheless, they, they still have a ton of quarterbacks in there. And somehow, Kyle Oxley found a path to play. Uh, they have. Uh, it's interesting because in the Canadian Football League, there's actually a new rule that was implemented this past year to allow quarterbacks, actually to allow offenses, to have two quarterbacks in the backfield. So take that for what it's worth you're having two gunslingers in the backfield who can really you know uh show what they could do in in terms of their dual threat abilities kyle oxley can catch passes he can run the ball he can throw uh, you know whenever he'd like and he, how about this this was the this was the best part of this whole story Um, Kyle Loxley had a lot of competition among this Edmonton team. College players like J.T. Barrett, you might remember him. He was an Ohio State quarterback. How about Khalil Tate? That's a name that people might remember as well, who also played in college football. Cardale Jones, who also played at the college football level at Ohio State. Khalil Tate uh, played for the Arizona Wildcats. So you have like some you know household name type of players. On this Edmonton team, yet Kyle Loxley stood out among all of those guys. He was he was their choice as being that number one guy or that number two guy because they split those reps. So none, we will have Kai Loxley join us live 5.30 to give us kind of a, a little insight as to what it's like being a Canadian football player right now. And we're really excited about that. The former UTEP quarterback, Kai Loxley, joining us at 5.30 coming up on the show. Tim Haggerty will close us out 5.45 as we get you ready for some Chihuahuas baseball as they take on the Albuquerque Isotopes. Uh, hey El Paso, they dropped their first game on Tuesday in this series, and then they bounced back yesterday with a commanding 14-7 win. So they had a six ru- they had s- they scored six runs in a ten batter seventh inning last night, and they beat them by seven runs. Jason Craig in the building, Jason, you made it, man. Appreciate you uh, stopping by. What's going on today? Uh, it's hot outside.
2: It's a little hot, and uh, I don't like it.
0: I don't like it either, man. It's the kind, but it's the kind that like you can taste. It's like the humid hot, you know, where it kind of gets in your mouth. You know, it gets all over your face. I can't. I love the dry heat. I'll, I'll take that any day over humidity.
2: But I did get the car. I did get the car wash. The van was washed today. Oh, so.
0: good day to do it instead of yesterday,
2: man. Yeah, yesterday was not it.
0: Yeah, definitely not. Uh, hey, what do you think of last night's game? Now, this is an interesting one because the Celtics go up two to one. We'll talk to Raul Martinez a little bit more about this in our next segment. But I want to get your thoughts and, and kind of open up the discussion. Yesterday's game. I thought it was going to be a blowout early on. I thought that the Celtics would just run the Warriors off the floor. Instead, the Warriors have what they what, – hey, they've shown uh, that they could do this all the time. They had a commanding third quarter and uh, came back in this game and even led at one point. They scored 33 points in the third quarter to overtake the Celtics, who at one point almost led by 30 points in this game. Yet, uh, the Warriors were resilient. you got to give a lot of credit to Steph Curry. Klay Thompson's shots actually Fell last night, and same with uh, you get some scoring production from guys like Jordan Poole on the other side with the Celtics. Uh, not the spectacular game from Jason Tatum, he kind of had that all around game from him, but uh, you know, credit guys like Jalen Brown with 27, Marcus Smart bounced back with 24, and now the Celtics, man, they, they've got that commanding 2 1 lead. Tomorrow's game, if the Celtics win that one, go up 3 1, this one might be over in, in five or six, Jason.
2: Yeah, um it's it's disappointing to watch for me, but um <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. Steph Steph went off in that third. Um it, Warriors did look like they were really getting it together and then it just it fell apart. It just really fell apart. But I, I I don't know if it's like they're, you know, playing, you know, like the cat with the the toy mouse like, yeah, I could eat you right now if I want to. I'm just going to let you know I could do this. But I I don't know. I don't know what what that was. So now um I know the momentum is definitely on uh, Celtic side. Um you know, and they're at home, so uh game 4 is is going to be telling. They have to kind of stop that momentum because after with three up that's almost like you're down in the water after
0: yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, hey, the, the Warriors tried to come back in a 3-1 uh, deficit. And what was
2: Draymond doing? What was he doing?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I was uh, I was thinking the same thing. So Draymond plays 35 minutes. He fouls out. He only scores two points. He has a block. The, it seemed like the fans kind of got in his head with their obscene chance. But, you know, I, I saw the post-game interview with Klay Thompson getting mad at the, and upset at the fans. How quick is he to forget that when LeBron James went to Oracle for... Uh, multiple, multiple stints with the Cleveland Cavaliers and went up against the Golden State Warriors. How much crap that LeBron James got thrown his way. So, uh, you know, those comments by Klay Thompson, uh, you know, getting mad at the Boston crowd, saying that they should never be saying those things in front of kids. Sure, I agree with that. But at the same time, if you're going to dish it, if your crowd, if your own crowd is going to dish it, you're a veteran, you're experienced, Klay Thompson. Why are you complaining? Why are you getting
2: mad? This is td garden we're speaking about this is the boston celtics fan base it has never changed it has been exactly that they have been talking about this since i don't know how long forever and what makes you think it would be any different for you if you know you're going into boston get mentally strong to go against the fans as well if you can't do that uh i mean yeah, that, yeah. that you, you. That's an L easily. You'll take an L if you're going to get mentally beat by the fans, especially it, in Boston. I, I just they, didn't they, like it. They're good at it. I didn't like it.
0: it. I, I didn't like that those comments right there. S- uh, Steve Kerr had had way better comments regarding the fans. I get it. Uh, when you have fans screaming obscenity, and they had to even block it a couple times. I don't know if you were watching the ABC broadcast, but uh, you know they were saying some uh, some dirty words to Draymond Green yesterday, and. Sometimes it bled through the broadcast, but they were doing a good job of keeping it uh, you know, a little compact and not really letting that audio bleed over to the actual broadcast. Um, yeah, but still, Draymond Green pretty inefficient yesterday. You look down the line, even though Steph Curry had 31 points in this game, and I mean, that seven-point play, when he hits that shot in front of Al Horford, he falls oh. down, makes the free throw, and then they get the second possession. They find Otto Porter at the on the wing, and they hit the shot. I thought the Warriors were going to flip the script and win it right there, that didn't looked, you?
2: It looked crazy. That would that fall, that that in this shot that Seth took, I'm like, "Yo, you." He got up when he took that shot. I'm like, "Okay," and it was a perfect shot. And then he flopped it, and I was like, "I don't even know how you're physically able to do that so fast and and get the foul." And I was just like, "I don't I don't know how you did that." I yeah. have no idea. It was that was an amazing shot, probably the best shot I've seen. Him do. The best shot I've ever seen him do.
0: Yeah, I, I actually don't think that's uh, too bad, too much of a stretch one bit because a seven-point swing right there it put the Warriors back into this game when you know Boston could have easily ran away with it right there. The problem is with the Warriors is I don't know if they have that kind of endurance to go four quarters. Like they they rely so heavily on their halftime adjustments. They come out of the gate in the third quarter with so much spirit, so much fight, and then in the fourth quarter it seems like the gas tank is empty. I mean Steph Curry, his fourth quarter stats in the final. Are as follows, and I'm talking about all three games combined. He has six points in the fourth quarter, only three assists. He's he's turned the ball over three times. He's three for ten from the floor, and then he's zero for three from beyond the arc. Minus thirty in terms of plus minus. So Steph Curry, while he's killing it, it you know, throughout the game, and he's he's killing it in this whole series easily. You know, if the Warriors win, he's easily their Finals MVP. But when it comes to the fourth quarter, the numbers are telling us right now that he's just simply running out of steam, Jason.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: Yeah, well, I don't. I, well, we'll hear from uh, Raúl Martinez of NBC Boston coming up next. He's going to break this series down with us. Uh, we got a busy show for everybody today. We're talking NBA Finals, talking uh, playoff hockey action as well. We'll get into more news regarding the Live Golf Tournament and how PGA Tour has suspended all players who are participating in this international golf event. Uh, we'll talk a, a couple different uh, local storylines as well, including one involving Bryson Williams potentially going and playing in the pros at some level. You're listening to Sports Talk. Let's take a timeout right now. When we come back, Raul Martinez from NBC Boston right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back to Sports Talk. Adrian brought us here, filling in for Steve Kaplowitz as we continue on the show. Time to hop out to our phone lines. Welcome on uh, one of El Paso's own. Uh, He's out in NBC Boston. He is the morning anchor out there, Uh, and he's joining us to talk some Boston Celtics hoops as uh, the Celtics take a two games to one lead over the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. He's Raul Martinez, who's joining us on the phone lines, former KVIA reporter uh, who who joined us here in the Borderland a while back, Uh, Raul. Thanks so much for joining us back here on Sports Talk. How's everything going there in Boston?
3: Oh, it's great. Uh, It's—I mean, excitement's in the air. I mean, there's cha- championships are always expected here in Boston, so it's—it's uh, been—it's uh, been a while. It's been since 2018 since we've experienced championships run. So uh, no, it's been—it's been great. It's—it's um, it's a really good. It's been a really fun experience to watch these Celtics. And shout out to my friends and family back in El Paso. Uh, Viva La Cate, I'm proud of Cathedral and of course all of my friends out at KVIA
0: Channel 7 as well. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Well, uh, what an exhausting game it was yesterday, Raul. I mean, just a back and forth game. At some points you thought, yeah, the Celtics were going to run away with it and maybe take control and, and take command of a 2-1 two to, two to one lead in this series. But Golden State had so much fight, especially in that third quarter. Just your initial thoughts after this one.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting game. It's, it was a fascinating game. That third quarter was real interesting. Um, you knew that the Warriors were going to make a run at some point. I mean, you just couldn't ex- – because the Warriors are just a team that is remarkable from behind the arc. I mean, you have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, Wiggins, Poole. You know, who, whoever's out there is a sharpshooter, especially when Curry's going off the way he did in Thompson. Um, and it, the thing is, is when you deal with this Celtics team – If you fall behind on the Celtics and you have to make a run like that in the third quarter, you just knew that the Celtics were going to weather the storm at that point because the Warriors had spent everything to get back in that third quarter, and you could see the tiredness. And that's what the Celtics have been doing since the end of January, really, is grinding teams out. They're a defensive team. They're the best defensive team in the NBA, and they finally locked down. And by the time they caught up and took that lead, that one-point lead, uh, you could, you kind of saw the Celtics use a good timeout there, uh, Ime call calling a good timeout and then, and then turning the tide. I mean, they, they got their stars back into it with Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart. Um, and that, that was the big thing. Uh, you knew the, the Warriors were going to come back, but you knew the Celtics were going to weather the storm because the Warriors just looked so tired after the four minute with four minutes left in the third. You could see, you could see the tide turn back Boston's way and they had the home crowd on their side. So, It's a real tough. It's a real tough thing to fall behind
0: on this Celtics team, though. Going back to the first quarter yesterday, um, I, I really look at what happened with the Celtics and how they got their fans involved early. I, I mean, you, you know, the, the the TD Garden was going crazy after what Boston was able to do, just pouring down points. Uh, they really fended off the Warriors er, early in that first quarter. Golden State ended up coming back a little bit, scored 22 to close out that first quarter. But I think setting the tone for Boston really helped them uh, throughout the game, even endure that third-quarter surge by the Warriors
3: listen when when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going off it's really hard to stop this team because like I said defensively they're they're locked down they're shut down I mean Marcus Smart's going to take Steph Curry you know that I, I don't feel like they fear Klay Thompson as much as you used to in the past he's more of a transition three guy now um, I, I think defensively they feel very confident that they can keep them under a certain amount of points and when you have guys like Jalen just attacking the rim, hitting big shots inside, and Tatum on the outside hitting the big threes that he hit. It's, it's just hard to stop this Celtics team. Back in January, you would have never thought this. I mean, you, this was a team after 50 games that was 25-25, and 25, and you just didn't believe it. And here you are now watching them in Game 3 of the NBA, NBA Finals taking on a Warriors team who had been here before, who knows how to win championships, and making the Warriors look bad in this case. And especially after you take care of business in their building and split a series there, uh, it, it was just impressive to see how you handled this first quarter. It's all about starting strong. It's all about avoiding those turnovers because when the Celtics don't turn the ball over, they win the game. They always win the game. I think their record, they have one loss, when they're like 12, uh, 14 turnovers or less, and, and, and one loss in the playoffs. And, and once again, they had 12 turnovers in this game. How big is that? How important is that? I mean, that was key to winning that game
0: you know you look uh, it's real interesting because you reflect back to January but I'm reflecting back to just the last series with the Miami Heat you look at that game three and Miami comes to Boston and they actually steal that game uh, in Boston uh, and and really kind of shift things uh, in that series early on now of course Boston was able to uh, overcome that they they won in a game seven situation which was pretty special by this team but I think that just shows you you know series to series this team continues to get better and the fact that they, despite Golden State coming back in the third quarter, still won in the in Game Three. I think that's a big step forward for them. Uh, you know, just reflecting back in that Miami series when the Heat took that Game Three.
3: Oh, they've they taken leaps and bounds. I mean, you can go year to year, you can go series to series. Um, I mean, how many people did, got, picked against them when they were facing Brooklyn in the first round? How many people were picking against them against uh, Milwaukee and the defending champs in the second round? And then you take on a Heat team, the number one seed home court advantage and you're right they took that game 3 i think it was a blowout there was there was a couple games where they just they just blew them out and you're just thinking this is it for the Celtics this is it. they're just so mentally tough and mentally prepared this is the this is the beauty of this Celtics team um, and a lot of credit goes to Ime Udoka he comes in as a rookie head coach and he gets them focused mentally i mean they they he basically took this team with the same exact team they basically had in years before, the same type of talent, and said, we're going to get tougher. We're going to get stronger. I don't care if we lose the game. We're going to bounce back the next game, and we're going to blow them out. We'll beat them on their turf. We'll go to their place in game seven and beat them. And it's, they've taken this mentality of it's us against them. Everyone doubts us. You know, Everyone doesn't think we belong here. And you just see how mentally tough they are on that court especially after game three, they probably should have lost that series. And the Celtics of last year or the year before probably, and they have, and they did lose those series. Not this team. This team is just different. And I love the idea that Ime has basically handed the the torch to Jason Tatum and said, you're the superstar of this team. We're going to go where you get the ball at the end of the game. You're going to be the star. You're going to always get the ball when it matters the most. And he's taken on that mantle. And, and knowing that, that Jalen Brown is basically the number two guy, the other superstar on this team. And you're seeing the success now, something that Brad Stevens probably should have done in years past and didn't do it, and now Udoka is doing it.
0: You look at Steph Curry, what he was able to do yesterday, Raul. Uh, I was just so impressed. That seven-point play, I mean, that was just ridiculous. I've never seen that happen before. Steph Curry ends with uh, 31 points yesterday, six three-pointers. How scary is he to Boston fans?
3: <laughs> he's, he's pretty scary, I think he's scary for anyone out there, I mean, Steph is the greatest shooter in the history of the game I mean, he's just an unbelievable athlete the way he's overcome injuries, the way he's just stepped into this league you know, no one expected to see what he's done and just to see, you know if he wins this series, if he wins another NBA Finals, I mean, he cements his legacy as, you know, one of the top players in the game of basketball I mean, it's just unreal, but you know, I have to give the Celtics a lot of credit, you know, we have uh, in this city, the, the defensive player of the year. And, you know, you can only hope to contain him, right? You can't stop Steph Curry. Uh, but Marcus Smart has done a good job, especially, think about what he's done in the fourth quarter. Nothing. They have shut Steph Curry out in the fourth quarter, especially in games one and three, where they won. He hasn't hit a three. He hasn't made an impact in this game. And the only way the Warriors are going to win this series is Steph can do something in the fourth quarter. And right now, Marcus Smart, lockdown defense, uh, you look at what they've done and the way they've shut them down, um, and and it really does rely on Steph Curry, extreme talent. But if he can't get going in the fourth quarter, uh, this series and, it, and it's it might be drastic to say this, but this series could be over in five. And you saw Steph leaving the game or uh, leaving the game with a limp. He got hurt late in the fourth quarter. Let's see how how much that affects him in Game Four, because if he he's a precision shooter and if something's off with the ankle. I know he's a tough guy, but if something's off the ankle, he's not shooting well. This series could be over quickly.
0: Sure, and it's the 48-hour turnaround that's in Boston that could impact this right there. And I, I think the one one mark that you look at the Celtics that they really just have to try to clean up is the third quarter surge by the Warriors. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been the case now for three games where the Warriors just come out swinging in the third quarter, and it's tough for Boston to kind of stop that. Is there any kind of secret to stopping what they could do out of halftime? Well, it's
3: a, it's a credit to Steve Kerr and what he's done. For for the Warriors, he's a he's a good game adjustment coach, and he goes in the half and he gets he sees the problems and he and he get and he addresses it right away. And obviously, you've seen how the Warriors attack the third quarter. They are aggressive. They come out swinging. And, and the Celtics, for some reason, they just lag behind. They're not taking it serious enough uh, to know that this could get out of hand quickly. They're lucky they had a big lead in the third at halftime. They're lucky. They were in control. They were lucky they dominated that first half because if this were a close game, this would have been another case of game two where they just end it by the third quarter. I mean, they were emptying the bench by the third quarter in game two, not in this case. It had to be a battle for the Warriors. So I think, I think the Celtics are well aware. Look, if we're going to win this series, if we're going to take care of business, you cannot allow these 17 0 runs, 18 0 runs, uh, with, with the Warriors. Uh, because they can score in bunches. I mean, they have too much talent on this roster. They may not be as talented as the teams before that won the championships with the Warriors. But they certainly have enough talent to get through the West and get to this point, and They're the favorites to win this whole thing. So um, the Celtics have shown their toughness, but they got to be better in the third quarter, no
0: question. You know, everybody uh, knocks on Draymond for sometimes how he could be loud and boisterous on, on the bench or even in games. Yesterday, he just had two points, 35 minutes of action, fouls out, doesn't play that well. But I want to shift it over to somebody who's going he's going up against in Grant Williams. Um, I'm going to just simply ask you this, Raul. Are you a fan of Grant Williams? He, he's he's kind of a pestering guy. I know he's like a little brother to some of these players, but uh, he gets you. He kind of gets in opponents' heads uh, at, at sometimes with how annoying he could be. I,
3: I'm going to tell you something about Grant Williams. When when he was drafted, I I was like, this is just another guy, just another guy. Watched it in his first two years, just was like, what is he doing on an NBA?
0: Sure, sure.
3: This guy he's done nothing. He does nothing for this team. He's, yeah, he's a nice guy, and, you know, he was good in college, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I really don't. But he turned in to a great NBA player. And I'm not saying he's a superstar. I'm not saying he's a star. He is the role player that they need. He does all the dirty work. He does all the right things. He can shoot threes. He plays great defense. He took, I mean, think about the players he guards. I mean, he he was willing to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. He guarded Kevin Durant. This guy has turned out to be a baller and do all the little things that some players aren't willing to do to make an NBA roster, and all he's done is progress and get better and better and better. And I have to say, like, I I was, I'm the first to admit, I criticized Grant Williams, did not let the process play out. Well, the process has played out, and there's a reason that they're in the NBA Finals, and a piece of it has to do with Grant Williams and the way he's played, and the shots that he's hit, and the defense that he's, the defensive job that he's done on some big time players. So I shout out to Grant Williams, man. That guy, that guy's a baller, and I'm, I'm, I'm really proud in the way he developed and, and, and shut down people like myself saying, don't judge anyone until you get a couple years in the in the league, and, and he's really showing it now.
0: I think that's a perfect assessment of uh, Grant Williams and what he's been, uh, you know, been able to do with the Boston Celtics. Now, shifting it over to the Warriors and and one of their players in particular, Clay Thompson, he's been uh, the talk of this series. Yesterday, he he erupted uh, for 25 points, and I say erupt, and, you know, by Clay standards, maybe 30-plus points is more of an eruption for him, but for this uh, postseason, for this season, uh, coming back from injuries, it's just been tough for Clay Thompson, not necessarily getting his shot from beyond the arc, but. It's been tough for him to get past players. What, what do you see from Clay Thompson's game so far?
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying he's a shell of himself. I, it, you can just tell he's not the guy that he once was as he gets older. I mean, that, I mean, we're talking, we're talking some some pretty serious injuries from this guy, and, and and back to back with the Achilles and you know the the issues that he's been dealing with. You feel for him because you know what he's capable of. But still, I mean, what he did last night, that's the clay you kind of expect. Can you expect that every night now? I don't think so. Um, he's better in transition. You're right. He can't get by guys anymore. So it's it's tough to see, uh, but you can't take him for granted because you know he's still a special shooter. Um, it, but it, you just got to ex- expect him to come back next year a little stronger. Obviously, the offseason is going to be much bigger for him. This is a grind. This is a grind of a season for him, the way he's come back. Um, you're just happy to see him back out there. I don't know what kind of impact he's going to have going forward, especially as you get deeper in the series and the tougher it gets and the more physical it's been. You know, and it, it's, been, it's been impressive to see the way they've guarded him, too. They're not giving him easy buckets, so he's really had to work for it. And last night, when you think about it, you say, wow, Steph Steph got his, you know, Clay got his, and the Celtics still won this game. Uh, I think it says a lot about the Celtics' defense and the way they're, they're guarding him up, but you know, Clay, I root for the guy. I really hope he can come back and, and, and get his career back to the way it once was, but right now, he looks like he's 80% of what he once was, and that's, that's the tough thing to watch.
0: It really is. um When, when you're looking, you you kind of touched on this earlier. As far as the Boston side of things, how they turned things around in January. When you shifted over to Golden State and see how they built this, they didn't uh, you know stack their team with veterans, aging veterans, or guys who have experience. Instead, they went the younger route, and they they were kind of quiet during the trade deadline as well. Uh, did you like the method that the Warriors went off and trying to build this team? I mean, I guess you know making it to the finals should be a resounding yes. But could they have done anything more to kind? Of uh, you know, uh, make themselves even more of a finals uh, you know favorite, and and kind of fend off the Celtics in this series.
3: Oh no! In my opinion, this was the best team in the league. This team was was ridiculously good from start to finish. I know Curry dealt with an injury uh, in the season that 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 had him slip in the standings, but I mean, there's there's not much you can you can hope for. I mean, they, I guess the biggest thing that they're lacking is size, and, and unfortunately, Wiseman is is out with that knee injury still, right. but they've done, they've done everything right. I mean, you, you weathered the storm on the injury front with clay and Steph. They came back healthy. Draymond's Draymond's Draymond. I mean, he's like, he, you know, I hate to compare him to Dennis Rodman, but he's the, he's the guy that you need on a roster that does all the dirty work, he's trash talk. He gets under your skin. He's like the Marcus smart here in Boston. You know, I, I think, I think this team went young. They got young guys. That, I mean, look at how they drafted, and look at them getting Wiggins and, and, and the opportunities they had with Poole. And I, I, yes, could they have gotten bigger? They're not as big as Boston. They're going to they're gonna be out physical by Boston. But, you know, there's a reason they were a favorite coming into this series. I mean, they're a lights-out shooting team. They can score in bunches. They can crush you by a first half. Look what they did to Dallas. Look what they did to all the teams they faced. They just crushed them. You know, they're just, they're just dealing with a team that plays top-notch defense, and you don't see that much in the league anymore. They're getting out physicals, and in order to, in order for them to win this series, they got to make their outside shots. And you know that's all dependent on, on what they're capable of, what Curry's capable of. But no, I don't see, I don't see anything else they could have done better and what they've done in the last couple of years, especially without their superstars.
0: Raul, I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today on the show. We really, really appreciate it. My final question, uh, Boston has a chance right now to uh, win another game at home. It's game four on Friday. That's tomorrow. Uh, give me a little preview on this one. What should we expect on both sides from both teams uh, as uh, Boston tries to distance themselves in the series, go up three games to one, and maybe try to close it out in a game five situation like like you were saying.
4: Uh, it's a
3: fascinating series. I, I think Golden State's going to come out swinging. I mean, I, I I don't know if Boston can win this one, but it, it, they're home. That's the biggest thing. I think if they can keep it close, if they keep it close, if it's a tight game at the half, I, I put my money on Boston at this point. The Warriors need to come out and throw bullets. They need to throw fire. They need to get up like the way they did in game two and make a statement, get under Boston's skin. But I have a feeling, I just have a feeling this is going to be close at half, and I think the Celtics smell blood in the water. I really do. I think with the, with the Curry injury, with an opportunity to keep it close, if Boston wins this game, I mean, if Boston keeps it close and keeps it close to the third, I think Tatum and Brown can take over and win this game. And at that point, you could easily see this series being 1-5 or 6 by the Celtics. So, if I had to put a prediction up there, I'm going to say Celtics are going to win this in a tight, tight battle, maybe a buzzer beater.
0: Follow Raul on Twitter, at Boston. <laughs> you can also check out his work. He's at NBC Boston, and he joins us here on the phone lines as we wrap up this segment on Sports Talk. Raul, thank you so much for the time. We really, really appreciate it and can't wait uh, to get a chance to check in with you, hopefully once uh, the, the Celtics raise a banner, if, if that's the case.
3: Well, we certainly hope here in Boston, no question about it. You know, much love to my city of El Paso, born and raised, as you said, there at KBIA, uh, pride of cathedral, Uh, just uh, nothing but love for them. Can't wait to come back and and visit and, and be with my family and friends again. See you guys soon. All
0: right, that's Raul Martinez joining us on the phone lines as we continue. We're going to take a timeout right now. When we come back, more sports talk as we continue here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back. It's hour number two of Sports Talk. Along with Angel Munoz, I'm Adrian Bradas Sal Montes joining us in studio. Uh, and uh, we're getting you ready for some Chihuahuas baseball. They're live in Albuquerque. Tim Haggerty will join us 45 minutes from now. And we'll also get to hear from UTEP alumni and current Canadian football starting quarterback for the Edmonton Elks. It's Kyle Loxley joining us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we're really excited about that conversation. Sal, what's up,
1: man? How's it going? Oh, man, good, good. Everything's been going good. Another uh, another day. We get to recap on a lot. I know the NBA Finals were yesterday. Oh, man. After, What'd you think? Uh, for, well, I'm glad basketball's back for the first time in like nine months. I
0: know, man. Dude. What a break, huh?
1: Seriously. 54-hour, 72-hour <laughs> breaks, like all these crazy that's, windows. Yeah, that's not what the streets want. No, but uh, no... We had a NBA finals yesterday. Chihuahuas had a great uh bounce back win yesterday. Seriously, 14 uh, runs. Rosario with I think six RBIs. Dude outscored Albuquerque by himself, but uh a lot to catch up on. I'm excited, man.
0: Yeah, the let's start with the finals in your perspective, because we heard from Raul Martinez earlier from NBC Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the Warriors, they have a third quarter surge in them every game. I think yeah. you just gotta pencil them in for that third quarter, you know, explosion. But the way the Boston was able to just outlast them, uh, I'm not sure if the Warriors have the endurance to go. What, what do you think? What do you, what do you think uh, happens here in Game 4?
1: I think uh, Golden State bounces back. Uh, wow. it, the, the reason I say this is because these two teams are too good to lose two in a row. Um, it can happen, don't get me wrong, but I just think we got out of all the playoffs, these are the two best teams that could have met up in the finals anyway. So we're getting the best matchup possible, in my opinion. Uh, but with with Golden State, we saw the way that they responded in game Watch number two. With um, with game number two, uh, it was a great first half. It was back and forth. And then we talk about the third quarter Warriors and what they did. They were just able to make it a route. So who's not to say that won't happen? But also, too, I've been wrong many times before. But for once, Adrian, I just want to see a good game for all four quarters. Is yeah. that too much to ask for? I th-
0: and maybe it is, Sal, because... W- one quarter, we see Boston dominate, and then yep. you know, they, they come out yesterday. They look explosive to start. You think it might be a blowout, and then the Warriors start slowly chipping away, chipping away, and then they kind of just hang around, which is, you know, I I, I look at this Warriors dynasty, mm-hmm. and at times I get a little annoyed, Sal, and maybe I shouldn't as a basketball fan, but I just get a little annoyed in certain things from the Warriors, so I have a little bias against the Warriors at times, I think. like I, I'm like, all right, can I sit down and watch objectively? But what I'm trying to get at is the Warriors can just start going on these insane runs. I mean, how about that 7-point possession that they had when when uh, Curry fell, he got the three-point play, made the free throw, and then Otto Porter hits another free uh three-pointer on that same possession.
1: Yeah, and that was a big momentum changer because they got the lead not long after that. Exactly. And um the crazy thing is we we talk about the third quarter Warriors Boston didn't play too bad in the third quarter. But, That's true. But Golden State still got the lead at some point in the third quarter. That just shows how good they are. They're, they're literally a run or two away from not only taking the lead, but even running away with the game. And and I don't know if you felt the same way, Adrian, but closing out the first half when, when Boston, uh, I think they had like a two for one, uh, but they only go up by 12 at the half. I'm like, that still doesn't feel like it was enough. They played great, but Golden State could just play great for – eight, nine minutes of the game, and it's a completely different ball game. So I think we'll see a different uh, response from them in game number four.
0: I saw you tweet that out during the game, and I thought the same thing. Mm. I I really did. I was like, man— you have to kind of go with the fifteen point lead against the Warriors for it to kind of for you to think that it's over at any point. Yeah. I mean, you you can't take this team for granted. You can't take Clay for granted. You can't look at Draymond Green even though he had a bad game yesterday. He's he's going to bounce effective. back.
1: Yeah, like physically, he, he's going to affect you for sure. He might not have all the stats, but somebody's leaving the game with some bruises and they can't do their favorite move uh, the next game because they're so uh, they're so hurt.
0: Let's uh, let's go into another subject. Uh, let's talk some UTEP. Uh, news today we got a great uh great email yesterday mm. from gerald hitter out in horizon a good friend of our show uh if you look by the way if you'd like to call in and talk nba finals now's the time to do it 915-505-6009 before we get a chance to talk to kyle locksley today uh we are uh we are getting ready for chihuahuas baseball at the top of the hour as they take on albuquerque this coming in from gerald hitter yesterday Hey guys, quick question. We obviously know that the biggest obstacle for baseball at UTEP is financial, but I'm curious. I used to hear a lot about Title IX and how UTEP would need to add additional scholarship opportunities for women in sports. However, I compared UTEP to UTSA, and they have the same women's offerings in sports, except that UTEP also offers women's rifle, and this upcoming season, it will offer beach volleyball. Uh, On the men's side of the equation, UTSA also has baseball and men's tennis, which UTEP does not have. So basically, UTEP offers less men's sports, but more women's sports, yet UTSA has a baseball team. How does that equate to meeting Title IX demands, just wondering... Thanks a million. This coming in from Gerald Hitter yesterday. Uh, we, it, it's a great question. It's one that uh, Steve actually, you know, he's he's off, but he's still coming up and uh, coming up the the chain of command from UTEP and getting a really good response on this. And I'll I'll ask your for your reaction on this, Sal. Um, this is coming from somebody from UTEP Athletics, uh, higher up um, over there. I'm not sure if I could say his name or not, but let's talk about uh, what he said because I think this is really important to get get across. Um, first off, the person says that this is an excellent question by Gerald, but there's two parts to the formula. And I didn't know this at all, Sal. I don't know if you mm-hmm. knew this one right here. A person cannot compare the number of sports with UTSA's number because proportionality is based on the percentage of full-time undergraduate students like and that's that's kind of the bottom line so let's say these are just made up numbers this is not these are not actual numbers let's say out of the uh, 25,000 students that UTEP has maybe 15,000 are women so that's 60% let's just kind Mm of you know think about that number well let's say that in the student athletes uh, department UTEP has let's say 300 okay let's say 40% of those 300 were women so roughly 125 so you would actually take that percentage, that 60% of total underclassmen uh, who are women, that 15,000, and then you would subtract that by the percentage who are women in the student-athletes, that would kind of give you that that margin right there, that 60% minus what, the 40%, that 20% gap right there, that's what they would need to fill in mm. order to meet the Title IX standards. So that would mean if you have this proportionality in undergraduates, you have to have that same proportionality in student
1: athletes. Does that that make sense? It, am I am I uh, speaking
0: uh, foreign language here?
1: Uh, I'm gonna be honest, a little bit, but it, it's just because it's so much to follow. But right. this is this is what I get from it, and. Uh, I like Reddit, so I do a Eli5, explain like I'm five. So yeah. basically, um, it's represented across the number of, of students in total. And UTSA's student body is much larger. Therefore, they can have these extra programs.
0: Well, it could actually, it could be that. But it also could be that UTSA has a, an equal amount of women who are undergraduate students and maybe women who are student-athletes. So, okay. a, And that's the percentage number. So if let's say UTEP had six, let's say, you know, that with that hypothetical example, example, yeah. UTEP had 60% of its undergraduates who are female, and then they also had 60% of their student-athletes that are female. Well, that's perfect. They and meet so all I, the Title Nine yeah, it, measures it's right bar, there.
1: It's bar for bar.
0: Okay. You, yeah, so that's how that kind of works. It's not all about adding the women's sports. It, it, that does factor into this, but proportionality is one of the biggest things right there. So when you compare UTEP with some of the other institutions out there, yeah, sure, finances are one of the reasons why baseball is not here. You can look at other things like the amount of scholarships, but, uh, but one of the biggest things that I look at right here based off this proportionality... Um, it, it's it's hard to kind of gauge this number right here, and it might not be UTEP's fault. It, it's just, you know, whatever yeah. that number is as far as the student-athletes and, uh, and and the undergraduates who are women, that number's got to get, uh, like the percentage number, that's got to get to a closer place if UTEP hopes to add another men's sport. It, it is yeah. confusing right here. It's a fascinating thing right here, and, and I'm glad that we got this Uh, this answer although I think it opens up a a whole can of worms like I would love to know the actual numbers these are just made up numbers
1: yeah and uh, these are great examples too to kind of look at and then when we look at um you know the the numbers year by year it could vary so True. Let, let's let say the gap yeah it might be 20 percent, but next year what if it's 30 that's what right if it's 15 so if they operate on a year by year basis and, and we talk about uh the the transfer portal which could definitely be a factor uh for student athletes but there's transfers for um for undergrads who aren't student athletes as well so you may have larger number of transfers maybe you don't receive as many transfers uh, for undergrads for non-student athletes as well there's so many different variables there That's really crazy. is
0: yeah I, I didn't know that this would happen right yeah, here i didn't know, I, I didn't know that that the, right here. I didn't know angel you got charlie potted up uh, it's all good. Um, I, I didn't know that that would happen right here, and that's kind of the biggest mm. thing. Uh, but it's still real interesting, and I really appreciate Gerald Hitter uh, for uh, coming up with that question. I think it's a really, really interesting point right there. Uh, Sal, I want to shift it over to one other UTEP topic. Former minor Bryson Williams. Ooh. He got he got a chance to work out with the Charlotte Hornets just a couple days ago. I saw him in these uniforms. I like how, how it looks with the Jumpman logo. He's got his uh, signature KD shoe that Bryson Williams always wears and then I found out also today a week ago um, Bryson Williams also was part of the pre-draft workouts with the Orlando Magic so he is really getting his name out there he is really showing up in front of NBA scouts and, and executives and teams my biggest thing right now he's participating in all these workouts can he get drafted that's the big one he's not on any boards but by all accounts and by, yeah. by everything you read on social media. He just has impressed people by all measures when it comes to what he did at the Combine.
1: Yeah, and he's showcasing his talent for sure. I think he's had multiple places to kind of refine his skills, but now it's it's the last stop before professional basketball. You obviously hope that it's going to be the NBA and he, he has the upside for it, but even if it's not exactly the NBA, who's, who's to say that the G League is, is not a good way, a good you. route to go? We've seen numerous players emerge from the g league and i'm not saying he's gonna go there i mean he definitely deserves a a nba shot you know a spot on the roster but there's so many routes that he can go and the more exposure he gets now is great and and the reason i say this is because there was this this knock on players over 22 23 years old entering the draft yeah that's kind of going out the way i want to give a shout out to um i'm trying to remember his name malcolm brogdon Yeah, a a couple years back, I think he graduated. Four years, was it Harvard? I think Uh, I'm not sure. He he played at, yeah, he did. He played at an Ivy League school. And if I'm not mistaken, he um, he went to the NBA after uh, graduating and that kind of was setting the president like, okay, guys over 22, 23 years old can go ahead and and enter the NBA draft and get a legitimate shot. So uh, I love it. You obviously root for the guy because he has ties here. But as far as the the Kevin Durant shoes and the connection, we've seen that all throughout the years, especially with uh, with Coach Terry being at UTEP before.
0: Uh 915-505-6009. If you'd like to get into the show, that's nine one five five oh five six zero zero nine to get into sports talk as we continue. Uh, I'm I'm with you, Sal. I look at this uh Bryson William you know, I look at Bryson Williams, I look at the NBA landscape and how it is right now. They love wings. They love guys who are sizable players like this, six foot eight, who can kind of play multiple positions. I think this is what makes Bryson Williams that versatile type of player, and uh, I think that's why NBA teams will kind of look at look his way when it comes to you know selecting him in the draft or maybe
1: deciding to take him as an undrafted free agent and giving him that opportunity. And you know what? I was wrong. It wasn't Harvard. I don't know why I thought Harvard, but it was uh, actually Virginia. However, his enrollment at Virginia. Virginia, 2011 to 2016 so that's a that's a five-year college guy so kind of I don't want to say he, he paved the way but it's, it's starting to look better you don't have to try and get to the league after your first or second year um, there, there's definitely multiple uh, uh, avenues after that
0: I agree with you completely there Sal uh 915-505-6009 is our telephone number if you'd like to get in let's go to Eddie who's joining us next on the phone lines Eddie good afternoon what's going on
5: Adrian and Sal, my man. Oh, <laughs> the mayor.
0: The mayor. The What's the going on?
5: Minor talk. Oh, man, I was uh, really interested in what you guys were talking about. A couple of things about the the golf situation. That's a very interesting situation. But the cool thing that we could connect it back to El Paso. You know, for example, uh, uh, Ricky Fowler played in El Paso. Dustin Johnson played wow. in El Paso. <laughs> You know, okay uh, so
0: so Eddie you got to start as a Sun Bowl committee the Sun Bowl committee has to start accepting the live golf world series right and, and start putting that on the on the mark for the for uh the Sun Bowl <laughs> golf tournament There
5: we go man but I just thought it was interesting cuz as you were saying those names I was like that seems familiar and I remember yeah they played in the Sun Bowl golf tournament Wow that's you a know? great so that, bit of information
0: I love that Eddie I appreciate you telling us that I didn't know that I didn't know that uh that Ricky Fowler was here as well
5: so that's pretty cool. And then the other thing you guys were talking about was, you know, the upcoming draft and, you know, Bryson Williams and, you know, there's others uh, from around the region uh, that could possibly make it to the next level. And, you know, Adrian, you're a big fanatic of basketball and I'm sure that you see other leagues, you know, as we now we're seeing in golf, there's other leagues out there in the world that these players can go play in and find success. Mm-hmm. You know, and for example, you know, the, the, the goal is to get to the, to the NBA, of course, but, you know, for example, there's a gentleman that I used to work for uh, when he was at New Mexico State by the name of uh, Chili Napawe, and he's having himself a wonderful career over in Japan.
0: That's awesome.
5: Well, you know, there there
0: was even one of Bryson's teammates who has played, who's playing right now internationally. I'm talking about Eric Villa. Uh, A lot of minor fans just cringe right now if they heard that name. No, Eric Villa, I'm a bit. Hey, I'm a big fan of Eric Villa and what he was able to do. He just was injured uh, when he when he was here at UTEP, and he just didn't have a chance. He's actually playing uh, professional basketball in Spain, uh, and he actually helped his team to the LEB Gold Playoffs. He averaged almost 10 points five rebounds, he averaged also um, almost a steal a game. So Eric Villa, I mean, he he's playing professional basketball in his backyard in Spain, just 24 years old. So you're exactly right, Eddie. There's a lot of opportunities for these guys. If it's not the NBA route, if it's not the G League route, maybe they go overseas and play internationally.
5: There it is, you know, and uh, right away you think of the G League and I think of uh traveling Queen. Of course. From New Mexico State a MVP. Lot of there, so... But you know, it just comes down to you know wishing the best of luck to all of them, whatever, whatever. You know, we just want to wish them the best. Represent, you know, the Borderland region as as great as possible. And uh, one last thing is. Uh, I need Sal. I need to talk to Sal one day, and I miss him a lot. So much love you
0: guys. We miss him, too. Even though I get to see him every day here when he comes into Chihuahua's baseball. Yeah, we miss miss him here as well. So I'm with you on that (laughs) completely, Eddie. Hey, great job, man. Appreciate the phone call. We'll talk to you soon, Eddie. Thank
5: you.
0: All right, that's... Uh, He's the best. Yeah, I love Eddie. He's awesome. Sports More podcast with Eddie Morelos. Hey, let's take a timeout right now. When we come back, more Sports Talk, along with Kyle Loxley, coming up next, right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. <laughs>
1: All right,
0: welcome back to Sports Talk. Great job with the song choice, Angel Munoz. We got Sal Montes in the building. Jump out to the phone lines right now and welcome on one of our favorites, former UTEP quarterback, UTEP alumnus, UTEP graduate, threw for over 2,000 passing yards in his two seasons with the minors. He uh, contributed with his dual threat abilities. He he had nine touchdowns. He rushed for 875 yards at UTEP and had 11 touchdowns on the ground. He is Kai Loxley, the new quarterback for the Edmonton Elks. Kai, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Congratulations to all the success that you've had. Getting on to the next level, man.
6: Yes, sir. Appreciate that. Appreciate that for sure.
0: How, what's it been like, Kai? What, what's the transition to playing the in the Canadian Football League been like?
6: Um, it's definitely been an adjustment for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you heard of guys that have went to Canada, but, you know, going yourself and adjusting to their rules, regulations, um, is definitely a complete difference than just hearing about it. They got 12 men on the field, um, only three downs, um, and you can even get a point off of a missed field goal if you catch it. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a bunch of new, new little rules and increments, uh, increments uh, with the game of Canada- in Canada.
0: Now I saw Kai that they they uh, just started to integrate having two, a two quarterback system where you can have that as an offense. What's that like? Like I, I want to watch these games. I'm I'm so curious to see how it looks.
6: Um, as Coach Jones would say, uh, it's for a lot of the offensive-minded coaches who think uh, they're gonna add a whole bunch of trick plays and whatnot. But uh, for us personally, it's been um, just being able to have an extra spot on the active roster, and um, you know, being able to fill in and certain packages and, and whatever I can to help the team.
0: So let's uh, let's go all the way back to your UTEP career because you finished with the Miners back in 2019. Following that, uh, it, it's just really a, a lot of uncertainty, and it's not your fault necessarily. It was pretty much what was going on across the world. The COVID-19 pandemic hit in 2020, and uh, it probably left you in flux. What what was that whole year like, just knowing that there's so much uncertainty going on, not with you in the sport, but with the whole world?
6: Um, You know, it was definitely... I can say, honestly, it was a combination of both, you know, kind of me not handling all my business and being uh, as mature as I would like to at the time. Um, And then on top of that, you know, COVID kind of just was the icing and cherry on top. So, um, but, you know, with the game of football, as I tell a lot of people um, that I run into, especially now playing in the pros is, um, you know, it's a lot of benefits to it. But at the same time, you know, the cons are, stability uncertainty uh constant competition and and things like that so you know as a football player and a guy who's played pretty much since i was six years old um you know you grow accustomed to the the blessings and the curses that come with the sport so i feel like um you know with the covid and uncertainties and uh you know even um my career at utep and uh, how things kind of played out um You know, you just have to keep going and you never know when that door of opportunity and uh, all the things will align for it to finally, you know, kind of work out for you
0: you know when, when I saw that you were making the transition from quarterback to receiver uh, joining the Dolphins for that stint that you had with the, with the opportunity I wasn't really surprised because I, I even go back to when you were at Texas and uh, and how they wanted you to switch to cor- uh, to wide receiver but at the time you, you said you were a quarterback you wanted to go that route you went the ju- junior college route you were one of the best junior college players not just in your division in your league but across the country and then you come to UTEP so uh, you know how, how was that transition like you know when you're going over from quarterback to wide receiver at the professional level kind of reflecting back and just trusting your abilities as, as an athlete uh, to play that position at the next level
6: yeah I mean that's kind of been something that has uh, plagued my career kind of since high school um, you know it's another thing that is kind of like a blessing and a curse when you run a 4-3 um, you're tall 40 inch bird things like that um you know it kind of definitely gets gets people's eyes uh big for you to play receiver and things like that but um you know I've all every place that I ever was offered from and I had them all um you have to throw for um you to get that offer as a quarterback and every time I had a workout and I threw for whatever head coach it was whether it was Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher um or Coach Heinrich in, at Oregon, um, you know, after they saw me throw, they were all very confident with me at quarterback. And then at Texas, um, you know, it was kind of a, that wasn't necessarily the full story. It was kind of Coach Strong uh, trying to protect me again because at, at that time I was going through some personal things and, you know, wasn't being the most mature person and uh, making young people decisions and mistakes. And, uh, you know, his quote-unquote move to receiver kind of allowed the media to think that's why I was transferring when really, you know, um, I had got put out of the University of Texas. So, you know, that was his way of kind of protecting me and uh, kind of my name moving forward. So it wasn't necessarily that he actually was changing me to receiver. It was kind of to protect kind of my name in the story.
0: I understand. But still, at the same point, when you when you went off to Miami, what was that transition like? Just playing at that next level, uh, getting a chance to compete and and try to make an NFL roster at that at a position that you're kind of unfamiliar with right there.
6: Yeah, so um, I kind of compared it to when I went to the Under Armour All-American game. Um, I had to go as an athlete because I didn't go to all their quarterback camps and, and all that type of stuff. And uh, they kind of just threw me at receiver and wanted to see, you know, how I did. And again, like, it's kind of similar to I equate receiver to basketball. Um, it's a lot of one-on-one and just beating the man in front of you. And, uh, you know, I was a pretty good basketball player. So it's kind of a, I wouldn't say easy, but um, wasn't too hard of an adjustment. But um, at the pro level, it's a little bit different because, you know, it's a lot more put on your plate at receiver. It's not just go beat your man. It's... um you got 18 different splits for about 500 different plays so um, and then of course in the nfl everybody's fast everybody's talented and everybody's pretty good so you know it's pretty competitive but you know i thought i did pretty well out there and uh you know i didn't lose a single one-on-one so you know i thought i did all right for being a, a new timer to the position
1: Hi, uh, Sal here with uh, 600 ESPN as well. And uh, I was looking at the roster with uh, Edmonton. I'm great, man. How about yourself? I'm doing a whole (laughs) lot better. (laughs) <laughs> awesome, awesome, man. Uh, I, um, I want to ask this just because I was looking at the roster and it, it kind of uh, piqued my interest, but grazing across the Edmonton roster, I found Nafis Lyon from Charlotte and a DQ Thomas out of Southern Miss, and I know that you got to go yeah. up against them uh, in Conference <laughs> uh, USA. Uh, what's it been like seeing, seeing them this time, but being on their side, them on your side, and, uh, you know, representing the same team with the pros? Um, you know, it's, it's actually funny
6: that you say that because those are kind of, two uh pretty close guys i uh, i am with on the team and for some reason i always um get a good liking to defensive guys i don't i don't know why but uh those are usually usually my best friends on the teams but uh you know it's been a lot of trash talk back and forth uh, obviously you know they came out with the win but uh You know, a couple of them are on my highlight tape, so I've been able to uh, get them back for sure, for sure. But, uh, you know, it's definitely good to have uh, Conference USA guys uh, represented in professional sports, especially considering, um, you know, sometimes we get overlooked uh, because of our conference and our schools. But, you know, coming from the University of Texas and, uh, you know, all the different power fives that I had and things like that, you know, the talent isn't too much different, I would say, the main difference. For me, is usually in the trenches more so than the skill guys. So, um, you know, it's tons of talent uh, coming out of the Conference USA yearly. So, I think people are starting to see that.
0: Again, we got Kai Loxley, Edmonton Elks quarterback, joining us here on the phone lines. UTEP alum, UTEP graduate. As we continue here on Sports Talk, now, Kai, your journey onto the Edmonton Elks is unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, I was I was diving into the story today, and I, I really just couldn't believe it because. You guys had at one point nine guys uh, battling to try to be a quarterback on this roster, but it's not just nine right. nobodies. It's like it's household college football names that we know back in the States, like JT Barrett. I mean, how many people watched him at Ohio State? Everybody did. And Khalil right, Tate right. Uh, from Arizona. You had Cardale Jones uh, with a cup of coffee with Edmonton, and you emerge out of that preseason game. What was that quarterback room like, just knowing it's, it's uh, kind of the who's who of college football? players that couldn't you know, didn't really have a chance to make it in the NFL.
6: Right. So Cardell was actually my roommate and uh, you know, he kinda took me under his wing, uh, just like as a brother, like man to man, um, kind of kind of hit it off ASAP and I, I you know, I told him like I grew up watching you, you made me interested in Ohio State. They were in my top five and things like that. And uh, you know, he just helped me with a lot of, you know, approaching the position off the field, leadership, um you know, um, chemistry, things like that, uh, how you hold yourself and, and even businesses off the field. So, you know, I definitely was an open book to a guy like that. And, um, you know, he'd been with the Chargers and the Buffalo Bills, so he had had some experience quarterbacking in the NFL as well. And, uh, you know, he second day, he kind of was just came up to me and was like, dude, you're really talented at quarterback. You throw it really well. You're smart out there you know, just work on X, Y, and Z. And so for him to do that and in a competition, you know, that just speaks to his character and, you know, the person and integrity that he is out there. And then Khalil, you know, I kind of took him under my wing. Um, he's a bit younger than me. And, uh, you know, it was a couple of things I, I saw that, you know, I used to have trouble with as a younger guy. And, um, you know, he absorbed those things. So it's, it was it was kind of crazy that we were, like you said, in competition and things like that because we all actually had a, a really great relationship and, you know, just continue to help each other grow in areas we saw fit. And uh, even in their departure, I I still talk to those guys almost like once a week. So, you know, I I feel like it it was a lifelong uh, relationship, even though we were in a competition briefly.
0: Most recently, you all uh, fell in a preseason game uh, this past weekend, but the one shining part of that game was actually you. I mean, you you put up a nice stat line. You were 9 of 13 through the air, 124 yards passing. You had the only touchdown of the game for the Elks. What was that preseason game like, just kind of uh, showing what you could do on the field uh, and, and really proving to your coaches that that you can really uh, you know show off your talents when you're in these games?
6: Um, you know I Just like I told our media guys up here afterwards, um, I feel like, you know, a lot of the adversity I I dealt with earlier in my career in different spots prior to this um, team really helped me in terms of the mental focus and, and maintaining my composure. In other places, like I said, I wasn't the most mature about how I went about things and I would get upset and I would let it affect my play or... Affect how I interact with coaches and things like that, and uh, you know, bumping your head a few times, you get to finally learn how to, you know, just wait your turn, stay patient, trust the process, and then when it is your opportunity, allow them to see why you feel the way you do, and uh, that's kind of just been my approach um, this entire training camp. Uh, I had to go in the fourth quarter at both games, the first and second, and you know, uh, early in my career, I'd have threw a fit, I'd have been upset, I'd have let it get me out of whack but because i had dealt with you know different scenarios throughout my career at texas utep and even in miami um you know kind of helped me stay patient stay the course and just allowed me to uh stay composed
0: the edmonton elks get ready to play this weekend to kick off the season against the bc lions what can you tell me about this one what what should we expect just to uh, out of you guys and out of this first game and opening weekend
6: um, you know, we're all very excited. We got uh, pretty much all of our, our starters um, are back back uh, healthy and, and ready to go. Um, I feel like this team has a bunch of young talent and a lot of new energy. Um, and then from myself personally, uh, you know, they're going to use me in a few different ways. Like I, I've been saying, uh, I guess I'm their version of the Canadian Taysom Hill. You're going to see mm-hmm. me on some special teams, some receiver, and then different packages at quarterback. So, Um, You know, it's just about accepting your role and doing it to the best of your ability and trying to help the team win. And that's kind of where I'm at in my career now more so than trying to prove this person wrong or these doubters or these critics and and some of the stuff that I kind of got caught up with as a younger guy in my career. So, you know, so far it's definitely paid off and, um, you know, I just want to continue to get better and and stack each brick, you know, every day brick by brick until you build a, a nice house.
0: Kai, um, I, I just realized yesterday that ESPN Plus announced that they're going to be broadcasting every single game for the Canadian Football League. That is so cool because everybody back home, uh, <laughs> all your fr- family, all your friends can get a chance to watch every game for you. And then I'm circling a game in August when you get a chance to play against uh, UTEP alumni uh, Alvin Jones on the Saskatchewan uh, mm-hmm. Roughriders. <laughs> uh, that Lord, one Lord. coming up, uh, you know, not too long. Actually, you guys play them next week, so that's pretty cool. To see mm-hmm. the fact that uh, two miners will go up against each other.
6: Absolutely, I know he's uh, in Saskatchewan, and then I believe uh, um, Nick Usher is in Montreal, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. That's so, right. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a couple of, uh, UTEP um, representatives up here in the CFL, and uh, so far, and based off what I've heard, they're all doing pretty well as well. You know, so it's very good to see former miners. You know, in professional sports, whether it's football, basketball, whatever it is, you know, we're always cheering for each other, and we want to represent um, Utah at the best of our ability.
0: Kai, you know, if you come through El Paso, you're you're just kind of a lifelong El Pasoan. So we appreciate all your time today. We appreciate you st- you joining us here on the show. My final question is: What can fans expect from you this season? If they're if they're at home, they're turning on some Edmonton Elks football and they want to watch number ten play football. What, what what would they expect from you this year?
6: Um, definitely a bunch of fireworks, electricity, passion, and uh, energy you know that's kind of been my my role in this offense and uh you know I want to continue to do that and try to you know bring guys with me and hopefully it rubs off on you know everybody whether it's special teams defense and offense so definitely a uh, dynamic plays.
0: Kai we really appreciate the time again we'll be following you throughout the season with Edmonton and uh we'll we'll be uh, sure to reach back out to hopefully get you uh, on here on Sports Talk throughout the season at one point
6: Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys uh, keeping up, supporting. Definitely appreciate and feeling the love all the way up here in Canada. Picks up and go minus forever.
0: All right. That's Kyle Loxley, uh, Edmonton uh, Elks quarterback and kind of the jack of all trades for Edmonton. I love it right there. We're going to take a timeout right now. When we come back, Tim Haggerty will close out the show. We'll get you ready for Chihuahuas baseball right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, final countdown, final segment here on Sports Talk. My special thanks to Angel Munoz and Sal Montes for joining us here on the show, uh, getting us ready for some Chihuahuas baseball. Let's uh, jump out to Albuquerque and welcome on Tim Haggerty, the voice of the El Paso Chihuahuas, as uh, we get ready for the third game, third and final game of this series here. Tim, Uh, you look a little bit ahead to Saturday. We didn't get a chance to talk about this during Sports Talk today, but how about the uh jersey auction that's going on right now the el paso chihuahuas edition that's like the spongebob twist those jerseys are going on sale right now and the proceeds will benefit the el paso center for children via the el paso uh, chihuahuas foundation uh tim have you had a chance to look at these jerseys
4: only the image that i see on the chihuahuas website Uh, i have not seen them in person um you know it's It's interesting, these these jerseys, the Chihuahuas have had various jerseys over the years. They get a lot of attention. People love them on social media. They become widely shared. Uh, But also underlining all of that is these raise thousands of dollars to local El Paso charities. There have been many examples over the years with the big Chihuahua dog head on the front, for example. That was a fun one a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, So it's really, you know, talking to the Chihuahuas' vice president and general manager, Brad Taylor, he summarizes it best. He said, this is really what minor league baseball is all about. It's fun. You come out and see world-class athletes, some of the best 1,000 players in the whole world are on a AAA diamond every night. Um, And then also you have this off-the-wall jersey, and then it, at the end of the night, raises thousands of dollars for uh, a really valuable charity, the El Paso Center for Children's uh, via the Chihuahuas Foundation. So uh, I love all of it. Me too, Tim. And I also realized that tomorrow,
0: uh, anybody with paid admission, first 1,500 fans actually, will get the Chihuahua's beach towel. So a couple good promotions happening this weekend between uh, the SpongeBob jersey that's happening Saturday along with the fireworks and then also the beach towel that's going to be taking place, the giveaway that's taking place tomorrow uh, with with gates opening at 530 at Southwest University Park. Should be a lot of fun this weekend for the Chihuahuas coming home.
4: I agree with you. Very fun homestand coming up. And... You know we're so lucky to have uh, full capacity, unlike early last season, because we saw that last home stand where uh, every single game of last home stand against Sugarland was a booming, big crowd. So um, I'm not just saying this; I do encourage people to go online and get your tickets in advance because uh, as these games on the day of the game, it really tightens up with how many seats are available.
0: Let's talk a little bit about last night's game: 14-7 victory against the Isotopes. Eggie Rosario, he is the story. I mean, Tim, he, it's not just this game. It's it's recently. He's been killing it as of late in what he's been able to do with this club.
4: Yeah, last night, Eggie had six RBIs, which is a career high. Wow. Uh, and he's been around a bit. Tied a career high with two home runs. Had three extra base hits last night. Uh, really a great offensive night for him. And uh, a couple of other offensive highlights. SD Ruiz, up from AA, hit his first career A home run. And then Kyle Martin, who at age 29 had played all over the globe, uh, Winnipeg, Mexico, uh, college baseball at South Carolina. This guy is a journeyman, but a big, strong guy. And last night in his first AAA game at age 29, hits a home run. He's back in there tonight. Um, and we've seen this over the years. The Padres have done a good job of adding depth to the Chihuahuas' lineup and roster when they need it. And sometimes these players uh, weren't necessarily on the prospect list, and they really play their way into becoming a major league prospect. So uh, maybe it'll evolve that Martin becomes that type of player.
0: How about uh, Kyle Tyler uh, clearing waivers and has been outrighted to uh, AAA El Paso? That's uh, the news that we heard from the Padres uh, earlier this morning.
4: Yeah, it's a very interesting waiver process. Uh, That basically means he's being taken off the Padres' 40-man roster. The other 29 major league teams had a chance to claim him. Uh, In this case, Kyle did not get claimed, although early in the year he did. That's how the Padres got him. Um, So he had to stay in the Albuquerque Hotel because when you're going through the waiver process, you cannot be at the ballpark. Wow. Uh, So this guy essentially had to linger in the Albuquerque Hotel until he found out if he was going somewhere else or if he was to be outrighted. So now he has been outrighted. He is back with the Chihuahuas, might even pitch tonight at some point, Uh, although just a difference in the status. He's no longer on the 40-man roster.
0: Wow, that's so interesting. Again, we got Tim Haggerty, voice of the El Paso Chihuahuas, joining us uh, as we get going. What what can you tell us about uh, starting pitcher Evan Miller tonight on the mound for El Paso?
4: Yeah, today's a bullpen game for the Chihuahuas. They've had a couple of uh, transactions with the pitching staff, so Evan Miller, who was a starter at times last year for the Chihuahuas and started one of the games in Salt Lake, is going to get the start. But I would only expect it to be a couple of innings tonight, and then it will transition to some other Chihuahuas relievers. The good news is last night, Ryan Weather is pitched uh, six and two thirds innings. He was into wow. the seventh last night. So uh, the Chihuahuas only had to cover a two and a third innings out of the bullpen yesterday. So there's a lot of rested players out there. Uh, not to mention an off day a couple of days ago. So. This appears to be a day that the Chihuahuas are very well prepared for a day in which they will use only relievers.
0: Hey, Tim, thank you so much for the time today. I wish you the best tomorrow, and I I really mean this. I wish you the best with Lou and Duke tomorrow. That should be fun. I'm definitely going to be tuning in because uh, those two are chomping at the bit to hear uh, a story time uh, from you uh, in in our weekly conversation.
4: Okay, sounds great. I look forward to it as well.
0: All right. We'll get to Tim Haggerty in just a little bit. Again, special thanks to Angel Munoz and Sal Montes for, uh, for hanging out and producing for us today. Uh, remember, I will not be here. I'm heading out of town tomorrow. It'll be Duke Keith along with Lou Romano taking you through Sports Talk and then back to business as usual on Monday. Steve's still out. He'll be back next Thursday, but we will have Sports Talk from 4 to 7 starting Monday. Um, until then, everybody, you could check out our website, 600 ESPN. El paso.com for all the latest in sports. And uh, coming up next, some Chihuahuas baseball right here on 600 ESPN El Paso.